Why does this team always do this to me? They do this every year! Why? Doesn't anyone love me? Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the club. It's episode 17 of the Deep Geeks podcast. Thank you very much for joining us this week. I'm your host, Thomas Mercier. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and joining me every week is the one and only Miss Amanda Sikowski. Amanda, how are we doing this week? We are doing quite well. Uh, I know for me, things are, are great now that the Toronto Maple Leafs are no longer in the picture. Don't you uh, dare. Don't you dare. Dig in right off the start. <laughs> Uh, oh, no. we're going to. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but no, things are good. Uh, spent an awesome week again in Ottawa and uh, back home and getting settled in. And unfortunately, school is starting soon for, for many people. So it's mm-hmm. back to routine and back to the grind. But uh, happy to be along for the ride and uh, happy to be talking about hockey once again this week. Yeah, and uh, we we got a lot to get into, but uh, first, uh, let's kind of resume how our episode ended last week. Now, obviously, there was one series that was yet to finish uh, in the NHL's Stanley Cup qualifiers, and as much as I don't want to talk about it, uh, we kind of have to because it's kind of our job. Uh, The Leafs have been eliminated in five games in the qualifiers. They lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets after laying, honestly, probably the biggest goose egg in Maple Leafs postseason history, I mean, let, let's be honest, they didn't even show up, Amanda. The, <laughs> there's a lot of people saying that they did. No, they really didn't. And you can you can blame this, you know, on Corpusalo being amazing. He was good, but I don't really think, um, I, I don't really think he was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. In my honest opinion, yes, he was good, but I don't really think he was the difference maker. And I mean, you can argue uh, me with this. But, um, you know, as a Leafs fan, I, I've seen a lot with this team. You know, obviously 2013 comes to mind. Uh, the series against Washington three years ago. Uh, the two series back-to-back against Boston, which obviously didn't go our way. And now the Leafs can't even get into the playoffs, let alone be, win a qualifying round, which is obviously taking off a lot of people, myself included. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a few Leafs fans. I was even... Uh, talking to Joe Bowen a little bit, uh, you know, obviously there's people that are very, uh, how, how do I put this politely, upset is I think the right word to use here. But Amanda, there's a lot of people that aren't surprised that this happened and myself included. I'm I'm not surprised at all that this happened. This team laid a giant goose egg and now they have to watch other teams play in their arena for the rest of the playoffs. And I, <laughs> I'm i trying not to go on a humongous tangent here, but it's really hard when you're as passionate about a hockey team as I am. I mean, again, I've seen a lot with this team over the years. And the fact that the Leafs, you know, <laughs> the, the way they get eliminated and they only score 10 goals in, in five games is pretty embarrassing. And... You know, people can argue with you about that, but uh, 10 goals ain't going to win you a series, especially against a team like Columbus, who is honestly far better, in my honest opinion, offensively, uh, way stronger defensively. It's not even a contest. And just the emergence of Jonas Corpusalo this year uh, has just been fantastic. And uh, before I keep going, Amanda, I'll let you talk about it. You know, obviously, I know you're a Pens fan, and your team obviously was upset by a team that had no business being in the playoffs 
and and now they're sitting on the sidelines just like the Leafs are. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts about the Maple Leafs and how this all transpired? So I'm not going to be as politically correct as you. Uh, and, and this is, you know, you before we went on air, you said this might be the first episode that we have to write as explicit. And it's going to be my <laughs> Pretty fault close. because much like the Pittsburgh Penguins in game five, the Toronto Maple Leafs shit the bed. There's no Absolutely. better way to put that. In fact, so much so that I fell asleep in the second period because <laughs> they were playing so bad. It was terrible. It was, it was really hard to watch. It was very bad. And you know what? Growing up in a family that has a diehard Leafs fan in it, in my dad, uh, my Saturday nights were spent watching Leafs games. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's really how I grew up in Hockey is just ingrained in our family and, you know, the dynamic of everything. And my dad said something to me. He goes, you know, this team has been letting me down since 1967. And I'm like, you know, dad, I feel bad for you because obviously in the era that we're in now with with hockey teams and the dynasties that have been built, the Stanley Cup is, is really, you know, the best of the best and the Toronto Maple Leafs just have not been there for a very long time. It's the toughest trophy to win, but like bar none. It is. And you know what? Coming into game five with that huge overtime win in game four, Austin Matthews scoring that clutch goal in, in OT. I'll give you my opinion on that in a second, but continue. Momentum <laughs> should have been in the Toronto Maple Leafs' favor. Now, you would think. We saw a fired-up Nick Foligno at the end of that game when he came out of the penalty box. And you know what? That that series, and I even said it in the last episode, I said this series is going to go one of two ways. Either Toronto is going to take the momentum and build off of that in Game 5 and win, or Columbus and a fired-up Nick Foligno is going to get his team going and they are going to roll all over the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's exactly what happened. Toronto yeah. forgot to show up in the most critical of games. And that was game five that would have allowed them, you know, into the first round of the playoffs out of the qualifiers. And, you know, yes, this is a young team. You know, they talk so much about Toronto being a young team. And now they're giving excuses of, oh, well, we, we over-succeeded for what our lineup should be. Yeah, piss off. You know what? I, you I don't buy that a, for a second. What is it, a $13 million power play unit? And you can't score $30 million. Okay. 30 So here we go. Okay, so I'm trying. I think it's the, the forwards. Something like that. Anyways, the, the number that yeah. I'm throwing around. Anyhow, when you have that type of power and cap hit on your team you better be able to produce and they just didn't no they, they, didn't. they failed to live up to expectation that there you <laughs> i said this amanda after game four while i was happy that they won i said oh my god this team is giving me false hope again and i'm falling right back into their trap don't you dare give me false hope you absolute bastards and they did it they give everyone false hope. We thought they had all the momentum going into this game. And what did they do? They shit the damn bed. 
like you put it perfectly. They shit the damn bed. And I'm sorry to any Leafs fans or even Joe Bowen if he happens to be listening to this, but this team is an absolute joke. Honestly, defensively, this team is one of the worst defensive, one of the worst defensive courts I've ever seen in my life. You you tell me that Cody Cece is going to be one of the top defenders on this team? Absolutely not. He makes Travis Dermott look like Eric Carlson for Christ's sake. Like, is it is he that special that he makes Martin Morinson actually look like a good defenseman? You could probably say the same thing, probably vice versa. But this team does not live up to expectations as they're supposed to. And I'm looking at Cap Friendly, which this website I absolutely love. They do a great job of tracking all the contracts. The Leafs' top three forwards make a collective $33 million, while all 17 forwards collectively on the Columbus Blue Jackets, Amanda, get this, make $40 million. How the hell are you going to waste almost half of your salary on <laughs> on three forwards? I honestly don't understand what the hell this group is doing. And again, I'm looking at Cap Friendly. The entire forward court for the Leafs, 14 forwards, collectively over $57 million. Their defense, they've only invested $20 million. Where is this money going? It. Your best offense is your defense, is it not? Because this team has, obviously, offense, but they failed to show up in times when it mattered. And then for Columbus, obviously, they have, you know, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, Ryan Murray, David Savard. $27 million goes into this defensive core. And this team still has $5 million in cap space. They could have easily gone for someone at the deadline. But you know what? They stuck to this team and they and they just rode the waves into the playoffs. And now Columbus is sitting there laughing because the Leafs are not in because Toronto laid a humongous goose egg in game five. Like, <laughs> I, w- I wish the Leafs would have just lost game four, Amanda, because this team gave me false hope and now I'm pissed. Like, I am so pissed that this team just gave me false hope and they shit the bed the way they did in game five. I- I'm so upset. I think that... You know, one of the things that Leafs fans have had to endure over the years is just a lot of disappointment, right? And I think that it's so frustrating because people that are really passionate about the game and that are really dedicated to, you know, following a team and, um, you know, a real diehard fan, it's disappointing. You know, for me, when, when the Penguins lost... I like I literally did not want to speak to anybody for a couple of days because I was myself so included because I texted you and you didn't say much afterwards. <laughs> no, I'm like done. I don't want to talk about it. You know, <laughs> and it. You know, we joke about like, oh, you know, it's upsetting. You know, we're at the golf course, yada yada. This, but the reality is, is that when you commit time from your life into something that you're passionate about, in this case, a sports team, and a lot of people that don't understand sports or don't follow sports in general just don't get that like but when you talk to really passionate hockey fans like some of the conversations that you have are just outstanding and people Mm -hmm. live and breathe the game and you know what it's a loss for your team in the playoffs is devastating for some people and you know what when you look at the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs how they've drafted um, you know, there's there's a few players as far as defensemen that they've taken near uh, 
you know, the top and let's call it the first two rounds. But primarily when you look at their draft picks over the years, they tend to pick their defensemen later on in the draft to see if they can find maybe, you know, a diamond in the rough kind of thing that they're looking for that guy that that's going to develop within their system. But the problem is, is that you need top guys on your D because if you have, you can have anybody up front as far as firepower is concerned, but if your defense are lacking and you're getting outscored in every game because your defense isn't up to par, that's a, a problem. Show. It's, so, it's a humongous problem. You know what? We, we went through the exact same thing in, in Pittsburgh. The defense in the qualifiers was horrifying. It was atrocious. It was so bad. Now, that's not to discredit the fact that didn't really show up either, the guys that should be showing up, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Sidney Crosby's, the Evgeny Malkins of the world. But, you know, on a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though I despise all things Toronto, I am sorry, Joe Bowen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I will talk about the Leafs day in, day out, but man, oh man. Um, you know what? I, I expect more from that hockey club based on what they have to work with. And mm-hmm. I'm, it's disappointing because, you know, you, you look at, at the lineup and you look at the guys that they have on this team and, you know, Muzzin going down to an injury Guys should be fired up by that. Guys should be wanting to win for their teammate. You never want to see that in a hockey game. Uh, you know, a guy getting carried off on a stretcher. Like, take that energy and fire up your hockey club. And like I said to you last episode, Jason Spezza, for me, was the guy that kept showing up. He was the guy that was dropping the gloves. Like, he's trying to get this team going. And as a veteran guy on this team that is in a fourth-line role, you know what? take that energy and translate that onto the ice into something better because what we saw people should be losing their jobs based on what we saw well you would think but that's you know that's probably not what that's not what is going to happen i i'm calling it right now the the, the least are going to do nothing i i hate to say it but they're going to do nothing because based off of the quotes that i'm seeing amanda it sure sounds like that uh, Kyle Dubas isn't going to make any changes. Now, you know, we, we've seen many managers saying certain players are going to stick around, then they trade him next day, looking at you, Mark Bergevin. Um, but just reading these quotes is baffling to me. It, for, first, let's start uh, with the first quote. It's not Kyle Dubas. It's Austin Matthews. These are all from Chris Johnson. Um, you know, M- Matthews was asked about how it felt to go four straight seasons without winning a single series. And Matthew said, it's a little bit embarrassing. It's not a little bit embarrassing, Austin. It's a lot bit embarrassing. Like, you have crapped the bed so many times that you've run out of sheets to change your bed with. Like, when do we figure out that there's something wrong with this group? And you bring up Jake Muzzin. You know, obviously it was tough to see him go down. It was a very scary injury. And Muzzin was asked about the situation. And you know what, Amanda? He summed it up perfectly. If we don't learn from this, then we're really losing. Mm -hmm. Like, you cannot sum that up any better. If we don't learn from this, then we're really losing. 
That is the kind of leadership that I want to see from somebody. Where the hell was John Tavares in the middle of all this? He was probably sitting in a corner just being quiet. Don't get me wrong, Tavares is a great player, but he's not exactly the kind of player that gets your team fired up or shows that much emotion. I'm sorry, he's not. As much as people want to argue, he's not, like, straight up. And I hate having to say that as a Leafs fan. Um, Zach Hyman was very passionate. Uh, he said, I know what it means to care for the Toronto Maple Leafs, to bleed blue and white, and I understand that. I get it. I get it. It sucks. And we're building towards being in a position where it's going to stop sucking. That was this year. You you had to try and make those changes. And not only did you crap the bed in the qualifiers, you crapped the bed during the entire season. Like, I'm surprised this team would have even made the playoffs if they didn't go through with this whole restructured playoff format because this team was on a downward spiral at the wrong time of the season. And then you get to Kyle Du... First, I'll get the Brendan Shanahan quote out of the way. I don't know if you've heard any of these quotes, Amanda, but they're just amazing to me in just so many ways. Uh, Brandon Shanahan put simply, words aren't going to fix this. You can say that again, Brendan. Words are definitely not going to fix this. <laughs> as much as I want to see trades, I can't help but feel like nothing's going to happen. And we'll, we'll get into all that, but I don't want to stick on this too much longer. Let's get to the Kyle Dubas quotes. Now, first, um, he was asked about CeCe, and he quintessentially defended CC saying, you know, statistic-wise, he was a good player. Was he looking at the wrong player? Like, was was he being pranked by someone in the least management, handing him a piece of paper that was somebody else's stat line, and they just wrote Cody CC and Sharpie on that piece of paper? Like, I'm trying to figure out where, in any sense, Cody CC's a good defenseman. Did nobody watch him during the playoffs? He missed a shot and missed a pass by a country mile. What the hell is he doing? Wayne, screw the shorthanded goal. That was tainted by the Leafs blowing a 3-0 lead. It was totally tainted. And then Dubas was asked if he misread the potential of the Leafs core group. Guess what he said, Amanda? Just just take a while and guess what Dubas said. I can't even. Nope. That's all he said. Nope. That's it. He said one word. When are you going to take accountability for this? This is not me trying to dunk on a young GM in this league, but when are you going to take accountability for these players and stop kissing their behinds? When are you going to stop sucking up to them and being a player's GM? This is a business that you're running and you are saying that there's nothing wrong? Are you actually kidding me? I don't understand. I tr I'm trying to understand where Dubas is coming from, but I am having such a hard time finding any light at the end of the tunnel with this. And again, I want the Leafs to succeed, but with this current core, they're not going to succeed. And this offseason, Amanda, is not going to be easy for Toronto. They have a ton of expiring contracts. Uh, <laughs> Clifford's a UFA. Mikheyev is an RFA. He's going to ask for a lot of money, even though his injury probably ruined a little bit of his potential. Dennis Morgan is an RFA. Spets is a UFA. If you're a Leafs fan, you hope to God they bring Spets back on barely league minimum uh, salary like he was making because I think he lived up to every expectation to it. Uh, Goche is an RFA. CCC UFA, he's gone. There's If the Leafs bring him back, I don't want to watch this team next season. They can't bring CC back. You bring CC back, you're sending yourself up for failure. 
Barry is expired. He doesn't come back either. He's going to ask for six million dollars as I as I drop everything. That was totally unintentional. Uh, uh, there's no way Tyson Barry comes back into Leafs uniform. They first of all they can't afford him. Second, they could do so much better than Tyson Barry because that trade Barry for uh, Cowdery's looking real bad nowadays. I mean, you get Alexander Kufford on the other end, but you traded Nazem Kadri basically for Tyson Barry, which is bad. It's really bad. And Barry was really, really bad. I, I'm sorry, but he was terrible. <laughs> and then Dermot's an RFA, and next season is the final year of Anderson's contract, and they're not going to offer him an extension. Not not a thirty, not a thirty-one or thirty-two, Amanda. They're not. The, this team has to change. There, there has to be something. This team has to give in some way, somehow, and try and change for the better. If they don't make any changes, they're going right back to where they were before Brendan Shanahan came into this organization. Yeah, I think that there needs to be some shakeup this summer, and. I know you've talked about Duba saying that basically, you know, no, everything's fine. Everything's good. We're going to keep where we we're confident in our core group. And you know what? It's, you can be confident in your core group, but. Which is fine. You can be confident, but don't, don't sugarcoat it saying everything's fine. Like he sounds, he sounds like that dog in a burning building, Jeff, that said, this is fine. Yeah. Like that's literally Kyle Dubas. Yeah. (laughs) Because it, it's not fine. And you know what? There there are a lot of big questions going to be asked this summer from maybe not necessarily from where they need to be asked from. But you know darn well that Leafs fans are asking those questions. Uh, you know, the media is asking those questions. Because when you look at, you know, the UFAs and the RFAs that are coming in to obviously this offseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. You know, and like you said, Jason Spezza, you'd love to see Jason Spezza back next year. Well, it's been said that he has told Toronto Maple Leafs brass that the fire still burns as a quote. And you know what? I don't think Spezza's done, but I I don't know if Toronto will bring him back. And They're not going to bring him back. I I got a bad feeling they're not going to bring him back, and that sucks. Because yeah. Spezza's a great... He's not a great player anymore, I should say. But, man, he's great to have in the locker room. Well, and you know what? It, the coaching staff is getting a little bit of a mix-up. Paul McFarland is uh, going to Kingston. Um, Every, everybody knew that. And there's people still like, well, why did he leave the Leafs? I'm like, because he has another job. Exactly. Of course he's going to leave. Yeah. What did you expect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Um wouldn't you want to go and coach Shane Wright too? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think it's a good opportunity for McFarland. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the mix-ups that we're going to see are not going to be, I think the mix-ups that need to happen. I think that's the simplest way to put it because you could, we could talk about this for hours and, you know, examine each player as we go down, you know, the roster but I think at the end of the day, like you said, the changes that need to be made are probably not the changes that are going to happen. Yeah, there's. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk about this quickly. There are those that are suggesting to trade Mitch Marner and Amanda. I was one of these people that said, I never want to see Mitch Marner play another game in a Leafs uniform. But the reality is, they're not going to trade him. Yeah. As much as people want him traded, I I've come to accept that they're not going to trade him. 
He he clearly wants to be here. And as much as I hated his performance in the playoffs, because I thought he was by far the worst forward on the ice, he's not going to get traded. And people are saying Nylander's going to get traded. Hell no, you don't trade Nylander. He's on one of the best contracts in the National Hockey League. At least he's living up to his contract and showed up during the playoffs. You're going to tell me you're going to trade William Nylander just because he held out the lease for ransom? Look at who else held the lease out for ransom. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. They all held Dubas up to the wall with a gun to his head saying, give me money. And they got their money. And now they are screwed financially. They are screwed with these contracts. They are not going to be able to get a good defenseman unless they trade humongous assets. They don't have a first-round pick this year. And we'll get into all of that with the draft lottery because, oh my god, is it going to be interesting to talk about. But the Leafs have a lot of work to do. And I'm honestly, man, I'm terrified what this team's going to do in the offseason. And I really want to get Joe on the show to try and help me understand what direction this team's going in but for now all I can say is Toronto you shit the bed plain and simple Amanda summed it up perfectly you guys failed to show up you had so much to offer you had home ice advantage for every damn game and you just laid the biggest egg in postseason history and And I I mean with with how the regular season went I I said this to you and Amanda and I said this to a lot of people I'm going to say it again this team lost to a 42-year-old Samboni driver that works for them. Nothing surprises me with this team anymore, especially this season. Well, and you know what? I think uh, this offseason, we're going to need to make a lot of popcorn for all the comments that are oh, going to come out of here. And I think I need more Pink Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. six bottles in my uh, cupboard. <laughs> I got four, so I mean, it's, it's somewhat sustainable, but I got one in the freezer, so should be good. Okay, let's move on before I start to really get ticked off here. Um... Obviously, uh, before we get into the first round, uh, let's quickly talk about a topic you brought up before we started the show. Um, Connor McDavid voiced his opinion on the early exit for the Oilers. This team had a lot, uh, a lot to offer this playoffs. One of the top teams in the Western Conference, and much like Toronto, they shit the bed. Even though, although Edmonton. Um, you know, had three players, I believe, that were in the top five in scoring, which is absurd. <laughs> and again, the captain voiced his, uh, I would say, voiced his displeasure. Uh, and you sent me this article by Tim Campbell on NHL.com. And McDavid said it perfectly. He said, uh, and this is all about the defensive part for this team. Um, and I somewhat agree with him with what he says. We'll get into that. Uh, he says, obviously, it's not where it needs to be. Uh, teams that win are t- the teams that defend, and we haven't seemed to figure that out yet. I don't know how else to say it. I thought we took some big steps playing defensively during the season. It just wasn't there at the end of the season. Personally, obviously, it could be better. And you know what? He's right. Basically, like you said uh, before we started recording, basically, McDavid is saying that his team dropped the ball. Big time, uh, you know, much like the Leafs did, but at least the Oilers were actually able to score goals. But the problem with the Oilers, in my opinion, Amanda, I don't really think it's as much the defense. The goaltending is a ginormous question mark, and the fact that they played Smith for the majority of these games is concerning to me because I want to check how uh, how the head coach is and what's wrong with his head, but. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm speechless right now because this Edmonton team should have gone far, especially on their own home ice, and they got beat by, mind you, a very talented Chicago Blackhawks team, but they got into the playoffs because of the readjusted playoff format, and Edmonton is now back to the drawing board of what the hell do we need to do to try and make our team better. I, and I want to get your opinion on this because for me... For Edmonton, they have really good talent, much like the Leafs do. You know, obviously, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, Nugent Hopkins broke out during this playoffs. I thought this was an amazing run for him. But again, I, I think the concern lies within their goaltending because Mike Smith just doesn't have it anymore. And I don't, I don't know why they're still riding him. Yeah, I think that defensively there's no question they they could have been better uh they needed to be better against a chicago team that came out ready to absolutely dominate and that's exactly what happened and you saw a decor that basically fell apart and you know there's an, another quote in this article from uh darnell nurse and it says it didn't go how any of us wanted it to go Everyone's upset about it. I think that's the best way to describe it. But to beat yourself over the head with it for weeks, is that going to bring you back in a better mind state or a better mind frame? Or is it going to affect you and your goals for next season? And I like this quote because it's so true. Do you fixate on everything that went wrong for weeks and weeks and weeks? Or do you start looking ahead to next year? One of the things about this article that that is also really good is, you know, McDavid goes on to say how um, we have to take a look at the steps that we did take forward. And even though there were steps forward, there's steps back, but there was, you know, two steps forward, one step back, still progress, right? But the progress yeah. has been a lot slower, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers organization that they thought maybe it would be. You know, there is some deep talent uh, on the decor in this organization. And, you know, even guys that are coming up through their systems, they've drafted well. They've drafted yeah. both, you know, offensively in mind, defensively in mind. And and like you said, goaltending, it, it is an issue. And I think that this is a team that they have, I think, the ability to, to rebound from something like this and make those tweaks. And I actually far prefer this type of, you know, um, coverage when it comes to, you know, if we're, if we're going to compare the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers and their players are saying, Hey, there was a problem. We know where we went wrong. We know what we need to do better. And we, we're going to take the necessary steps to get to that point. Then you have the Toronto Maple Leafs that are, well, I thought we did pretty good. I uh, could have gone, I guess, a little bit better. Nothing's wrong here. We're going to keep status quo. Mm -hmm. I'd rather take a closer look at that organization and say, okay, these are the problem areas. This is where we need to, you know, be better in order to be a contender. Because the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid need to be a contender at this point. There's been you enough. Think they would be. There's enough time that's been put in with that group that they should be a contender at this point and, mm -hmm. and they're not. So that's where it comes down to, okay, we really need to take a close look at this and we need to examine what needs to change. And I actually really like that McDavid isn't, and he's not just throwing his team under the bus. He's simply no. saying we need to do better in this area. Personally, 
I need to do better in this area. And I, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. And McDavid is the best player in the world for a reason. And there's a reason why he's captain. He's voicing his discretions um, to Ken Holland to make changes with this team. Because I, I, I'm I, not using this as an excuse, but when Peter Shirelli was taken over for this team, he ruined this franchise. He made them so unsuccessful and so god-awful that this team is going to have to rebuild from whatever Shirelli's broken down over the last few years. And for McDavid to finally voice his opinion, I think finally shows how how great of a leader he is and him basically telling his... Um, his GM that, Hey, we need to wake up here and we need to figure out something because we should be in a better spot than where we are right now. Because just like Toronto, I'm using this again, Edmonton's watching the playoffs from their own building, but they're not in it anymore. Yeah. So I like where, where do these two Canadian teams go forward? I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, Edmonton is kind of in a better spot than Toronto is at this point, but Neither team has had much playoff success over the last, I would say, five, maybe ten years, give or take. So both teams are in somewhat uh, familiar and similar spots, but uh, that's that's going to be up to, to debate for a lot of people. Before we get into the playoffs, let's quickly talk about the draft lottery. It went through its second phase, and we now who owns the number one pick, and which is essentially what we're calling the Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes. The winner of the draft lottery was the New York Rangers, much to the surprise of quite a lot of people. I I personally didn't see this coming, but again, every team had a fair shot at this. Uh, as much as I hate the draft lottery, there you know there was one ball per team, and it, it was just based on the luck of the draw. And luckily for the Rangers, they were on the right side of it, even though the Leafs ball got double doinked in the uh, in that little bubble. Which I, I, I think perfectly sums up the least season because oh oh my god, um. But yeah, the Rangers are pretty much you would imagine go for the consensus number one pick in Alexis Lafreniere, and this rebuild for the Rangers everything's coming up roses for them because not only did they get Panarin during the free agency, now they're gonna get Alexis Lafreniere after the season's over, um. But again, that big question mark, is their goaltending, you know, does Henrik Lundqvist come back? And do the Rangers even hold on to this first overall pick, which I know sounds ridiculous, but if they get a lot of return, then maybe they can invest in shipping this pick. I'm not suggesting they do. There's a chance that they might. But um, Amanda, obviously for the Rangers, they've been having uh, a bit of a tough time. Since they were in the finals against Los Angeles, and uh, now they're kind of in a good spot where you know they get guys like Artemi Panarin and Capocacco, uh, the emergence of Mika Zibanejad, and now they're going to get Lafreniere. And honestly, the only direction this team can go is up, I would think. Yeah, you know what? If you follow me on Instagram, and if you don't, it's at LaceMup66. Uh, there was a video that I posted when it happened because we were watching obviously the draft lottery live and when <laughs> that ball went up and they zoomed the camera in, all you can hear is me yelling, no, <laughs> um, you know, with New York Rangers having that second overall pick last year and now coming back and having the first overall pick, uh, it, it puts them in a really good position for the future. Uh, I yeah. think he's going to slot in on the second line 
next season and and be a force for them right out of the gates you know hopefully come December if we're able to get a season underway again and mm-hmm. I think that like you said there there's definitely some questions in regards to you know the New York Rangers and and their off season and what's going to happen uh huge ones obviously surrounding Henrik Lundqvist um I think everybody expects them to take Alexi Lafreniere, and I would be shocked if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it puts them in a position where, obviously, holding that number one spot, you know, gives them a ton of power. And like you said, maybe they would shock everyone, and you know get a massive return for that but you would have to have a team that is so desperate to have that type of caliber of player right out the get-go so I I don't know I think they'll hold on to the pick myself but yeah man would that make it really interesting (laughs) come October on uh on draft day but uh I think that Based on where everybody ended up in the draft, you know, at the beginning of um, one of the episodes, we had talked about potential draft picks and where we thought people were going to go. And I think for me, it solidifies who I said was going to go to the Ottawa Senators with the third overall pick, because there has definitely been some movement as far as draft rankings Uh Obviously, one is the consensus pick, but two, three, four, five seem to have juggled up a little bit. And I, I would not be surprised if Quinton Byfield ends up in an Ottawa Senators uniform. Mm, that's <laughs> it's pretty interesting to think about. And I, I think it would uh, uh, be a really good end to the rebuild for the Rangers, in my honest opinion, to you know, win the draft lottery. They hang on to that draft pick and they get Alexis Lafreniere. I think it's going to work out really well for them at least you would hope there's some people that are right away saying Lafreniere's a bust no he's not come on he, he he's still got room to grow and I mean he dominated the QMJHL this kid's not a bust far from it I mean watch us be proven wrong in three four years down the road we'll wait and see but you got to give him time to play Absolutely. and uh before we move into um the playoffs I'll talk quickly about the Rangers cap situation so they still have 3.8 million dollars in cap space but of course, you brought up their offseason. They have some contracts they need to sign. Strom is an RFA. He's expiring. Jesper uh, Fass is a UFA. He'll be looking for some money. Capocaco is still good until 2022, which is good for them. Uh, Brendan Lemieux is an RFA, which I honestly don't think he renew his contract. Um, Greg McKaig is a UFA. Uh, Philip DiGiuseppe is an RFA. Only one defenseman is an RFA. And this is a bit of a hot topic, Amanda, because it's Anthony D'Angelo. And personally for me, D'Angelo was, for lack of a better term, um, a dumpster fire during that play-in series against the Carolina Hurricanes because we talked about it last week. Does he get a contract extension? Part of me is going to say yes, but at the same time, after the way he's been playing since he came in, I don't know if you give him big boy money because that's going to hurt you for the long term. And then, of course... Henrik Lundqvist, he's not expiring. Georgiev is, but Lundqvist eats up $8.5 million of your total cap. Do you try and ship that money somewhere else 
to make sure that you're able to afford Artemi Panarin for the next few years, be able to afford Buchnevich, who expires down the road, and pay Zabinijad, and then pay Alexis Lafreniere down the road? Do they ship Henrik Lundqvist, and who would be willing enough to take that humongous contract? Well, and you know what? At the end of the day, the New York Rangers are going to be on the hook for sure for some of that uh, cap hit. No questions asked when it comes to the Lundqvist, uh, you know, concerning his his cap hit. But I see him getting shipped off. I, I don't think he's done playing. I think there's more in the tank for Hen- Henrik Lundqvist. And I, I'd be sad to see him leave the way that this season ended. And I mm. think that, you know, obviously still under contract. I think that, I think he ends up somewhere else. I, I really do. And, you know, the Rangers are going to have to absorb some of the, uh, some of that cap hit still frees up some space for them, but uh, they have a lot of people that they need to get under contract. And you know what? There's, there's going to have to be movement within that team in order to accommodate these guys that are coming up through their system. It, it, without question, you, you have to, uh, because they can't retain everyone that they have right now. They, they just can't, there's not enough cap space. Yeah. Uh, and the other situation going into this draft, Amanda, is, and we'll talk about this quickly, uh, because back on June 22nd of 2019, the Leafs, of course, traded Patrick Marlowe plus their conditional first-round pick this year uh, to Carolina in exchange for a sixth-round pick for this season. And now that we know the results of the draft lottery, since this pick was top 10 protected, the Leafs will now have to surrender their first-round pick this year, and it will be the 13th overall pick. Which, again, to touch up on how the Leafs' season has gone, this is not good for Toronto because you give up a really high draft pick. You don't have a draft pick to the second round unless you somehow make a move once these playoffs are over, but I can't help but feel like that might not happen. So now the Leafs are in really big trouble because they may have just given Carolina a chance at getting a really, really good player out of this draft. And that's that's just kind of the way the Leafs season is going. But anyway, Amanda, let's get into um, the actual playoffs. Now they have officially started. Of course, they uh, started back on Tuesday, and we seen some very early fireworks Let's get to the first series down in the Eastern Conference. It's the number one eight seed and the number eight seed. The Flyers and the Canadians so far is tied at one game apiece. Uh, game three is happening tonight at the time of this recording. It will be happening at 8 p.m. So the podcast will probably be up about an hour or so before game time for that one. Um, Flyers got off to a good start. 2-1 win in game one. And then something happened between game one and game two where Claude Julien was experiencing chest pains in his hotel. He had to go to hospital, and he has since been sent home. So now the Canadians are without their head coach, and then they come out, and they tear the Flyers a new one, winning 5-0 to tie the series. And this sets up the rest of the series to be very interesting because, Amanda, you pick the Canadians in 6, while I pick the Flyers in 5. So this... Now with Julian being out of the picture and Montreal seems to be playing with a chip on their shoulder and seem to be playing for Claude at this point, it's I don't think this series is going to be, you know, as one-sided as we once imagined. Yeah, I you know what? Claude uh he had a stint put in 
Um, he is back home in Montreal, uh, is my understanding. And, and we want to wish him all the best yes, on a speedy recovery. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, we were talking about this quite a bit uh, this past week when I was in Ottawa because mm-hmm. my brother, or my, I guess he's my brother, but my stepbrother, his his dad is business partners with Kojine's brother. So uh, there's obviously a family connection here to, to the Julien family and wishing him all the best and a speedy recovery. Uh, and you know what? Montreal took a situation that happened off the ice and mm. has absolutely fueled this hockey team because Philadelphia, you know, from what we saw, obviously in the round Robin and, you know, coming into this series game one was, was definitely Philadelphia's game. And yeah, we're seeing that switch and these guys are playing for their coach. Koji is extremely, extremely well-respected you know, mm-hmm. in the world of hockey, within the Montreal Canadiens organization. And uh, these guys are playing not only for, for their teammates, but they're playing for their head coach right now. And it, it's mm-hmm. very evident. So I'm looking forward to tonight's game because I think if momentum is continuing to shift in the direction of the Montreal Canadiens, I think this is this is going to be a huge turning point in this series for, for this club. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was all Montreal in Game 2. Can't emphasize that enough. They played so well, they chased Carter Hart, which we have not seen, if I'm not mistaken, all season long in the regular season. Because, I mean, Carter Hart is playing out of his mind right now. And I, I told you, Amanda, that the Flyers are cup contenders this year. Like, they're my pick to go to the final this year in the East. And, I mean, they looked great in the first game, but the second game just... Everything fell apart for them, and, you know, again, Carey Price returning to form, and he really helped out his team. Now, do I think Carey Price is the reason they won Game 2? No, absolutely not. I mean, Jasperi Kalkaniemi and Thomas Tatar had one hell of a game. Uh, Suzuki was great. Gallagher was playing great. Domi was amazing as well. Uh, just a well-rounded effort by Montreal, and obviously they had something to play for, not just their season, but for their coach as well, because... You can tell they obviously miss him as, as much as some people don't like Claude Julien with Montreal. Um, he he's still a respected coach, as you said, and his systems just seem to work still. And I mean, it was working in the playoffs. Obviously, look at the way they played against Pittsburgh. I'm sorry to bring that up, uh, but just the way that they've been playing this year, Montreal has more to play for this year, and clearly. They have a chance, but it all starts tonight, Amanda, because Game 3 is not going to be easy for them. Now it's basically a best of five. You have to dig deep into your soul and make sure that you are ready for this test because Philadelphia is one of the best teams in these playoffs, not just in the East, but the entire playoffs. They have to really dig deep down and make sure that they're ready for tonight's task. It's not going to be easy. It's not. And you know what? The Philadelphia Flyers are going to be reaching into, you know, the depths of their soul, like you said. And it's about finding that passion. And this this series to me has the feeling of a East final, not a first round uh matchup. There there's no question. There's a lot of fire in, in this series. And you know what? you look for, for motivation and inspiration in, in any area that you can find it, right, when it comes to this time of the year. And the Philadelphia Flyers are absolutely no exception to this. And 
look who took a morning skate with their hockey club this morning. None other than Oscar mm-hmm. Lindblom. How can that not fire you up? Now, of course, there's no uh, timetable for a return to play. That is his goal. But how can that not fire you up to have that guy in the bubble taking a morning skate with your hockey club? Yeah, it, it, that, that's uh it's, a, it's a, again, a really emotional story, and obviously everybody knows the story of Oscar Limbaugh was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, uh, underwent his final treatments, and now he's back with the Flyers in the bubble, and people are starting to say he might play. That's not official yet. It'd be great to see him play, but I don't think he suits up in these playoffs unless they go the distance. Um, but obviously both teams have something to play for. Philly is playing for Oscar, and Montreal is playing for Claude. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Game 3, which at the time of this recording will be happening tonight at uh, 8 p.m. can be seen on Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet, uh, and NBC. Moving on to the next series, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets, the respective 2-7 and seven seeds. And currently it's the Lightning with a 2-1 th- to one series lead. And, oh my God, did this series ever start off with a very slow and pain-inducing <laughs> bang, to say the least. Uh, game one ended up being something that nobody expected. This game went to five overtimes, which, looking through the record books, is the fifth longest game in National Hockey League playoff history. The next longest ahead of them... Uh, <laughs> was, uh, I believe, uh, I, I think I'm getting it right here. April 24, 2003, the conference semifinal between Anaheim and Dallas when Peter Sikora scored the game winner at, uh, the 80 minute and 48 second mark. I don't know if the game went further. Th- did the game not go further than that? I could have sworn that it did. I, I could be wrong. I'm going to look into that a little bit more. Man, I sound bad for saying that now. Uh, but, <laughs> but this, this first game, you can easily talk about it on its own because my, pardon me. Yes. It, it's the fourth longest game in NHL history. Excuse me. It did surpass the Anaheim Dallas game. So the next longest one was May 4th of 2000. Philadelphia-Pittsburgh in the conference semifinal when Keith Primo scored the game winner for Philadelphia at the 92-minute and one-second mark of overtime periods. (laughs) Which is insanity. This is the fourth longest game in NHL history. And on top of that, Jonas Corposalo went on to break the all-time save record in a single game playoff game which in my opinion just still absolutely baffles me that he did this um looking at the stat line give me one second here um uh, it went to a fifth overtime and Corpusello breaking kelly rudy's record with flying colors and he, unfortunately for him he was on the losing side which is kind of disappointing but again, this series just kicking off with a ginormous bang. Uh, mind you, it took forever, but it was a big bang. Uh, games two and three weren't as bad. Uh, Columbus would win game two, three to one, but then Tampa Bay would win again, three to two. Game four is Monday, which is tomorrow at 3 p.m. And obviously, this is a big game for Columbus because if they lose this, they're down 3 1 in the series. And, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning might finally be able to exercise their demons from last season. 
And it's going to be an interesting game four, honestly. And we hope that there's no more overtimes between these two teams. Well, and if you look at, you know, game three, a close game, again, we're not talking blowouts here. You know, I, I think that these are two very evenly matched teams, even though Absolutely. that they are uh, far apart in the standings. <laughs> um, very much. Yeah, it's. I don't know about this one. Like, I, I know who we picked, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, from our, our picks that we made. Um, you know, we both picked the Lightning. You picked the Lightning in six. I picked the Lightning in five. Correct. Yours is looking better than mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about this one. This one is definitely, like, nobody could have predicted that game one is going to go into a fifth overtime uh the boston game and carolina game had to get rescheduled to the next morning because it went on for so long and then that game went to overtime because of course it did overtime yeah (laughs) you know what it's been a wild uh uh, first round of the playoffs that's for sure 2020 is weird man 2020 2020 is is out to lunch (laughs) Uh, so yeah, just to emphasize what Amanda said, I picked the lightning at six and Amanda picked the lightning at five. So we both agreed, uh, which team would win, but, uh, one less game for Amanda. Now moving on to the next series, one series we didn't agree on was the Capitals and the Islanders. Now at the time of this recording, uh, game three was heading into overtime. The Islanders were leading the series two nothing. It's now a three nothing series lead. Uh, but let's start from the top. Game one, 4-2 win for the Islanders. Uh, really good effort from them. And then game two was an absolute blowout. 5-2 win for New York. And then earlier today, a 2-1 overtime win as Mark Barzell uh, puts home the game winner and has now put the 2018 Stanley Cup champions on the brink of elimination and a possible sweep. Now, Amanda... Uh, I picked the Islanders to take the series in six. It might end a lot sooner than that. You picked the Capitals in five, so therefore, uh, you know, your amount of games pick is obviously not going to be correct, but your team now has to come back from a 3 nothing deficit, which hasn't been done since the Flyers did it against the Boston Bruins a few years ago. This series, in my honest opinion, Amanda, you can agree with me all you want, this series on Tuesday is over. I think that the Washington Capitals have already packed up some of their stuff uh, and are ready to head home because that's how they're playing. Yeah, they they look like they just thrown in the towel at this point. Yeah. Uh, not not to say they're not playing well, but you look at games one and two, they didn't play well, and their goaltending is a humongous pro- is a humongous question mark because people were wondering if it was going to be Holtby or Samsonov, and obviously Holtby has to hold the fort, <laughs> and unfortunately that fort has a lot of leaks in it right now, and it's just uh, well, and it's I, not a good situation for Washington. I find the Capitals are not capitalizing on the on the quality chances hey, hey. that they have. And nice one. <laughs> you know what? Today was a prime example. Uh, the goal in, in overtime, there was a missed opportunity by the Capitals, uh, a couple mm-hmm. minutes before the goal was scored, and you know what? You, you can't, you can't miss those opportunities at this point in, nope. in this in the game. You just can't. 
No. So absolutely, absolutely not. And unfortunately for the Capitals, they they definitely missed every opportunity that they had. And just to kind of recap how every game went, uh, game one, as we mentioned. Uh, was a 4-2 win for the Islanders. I mean, TJ Oshie had a great start for the Caps, but four unanswered goals after that, Amanda, from Eberly, Lee, Bailey, and Beauvillier. And it was just very out of nowhere that Washington just blew this lead as quickly as they did. Uh, game two, again, was just not a good night for them. Ovechkin had a great game offensively, but defensively, not so much. Nicoletti... Uh, Matt Martin, that triggers me as a Leafs fan. Brock Nelson, Cal Clutterbuck, and Anders Lee getting in on the scoring. And then, of course, Game 3, which just finished. Uh, Matt Marzola, the second of the playoffs, was the OT winner. Four minutes and 28 seconds in. So fairly quickly end um, to that game. And this now puts the Capitals on the brink of elimination. We'll see if the Islanders are heading to round number two for the second straight season. We'll find out on Tuesday night. At 8 p.m. Final series of the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes is a rematch of last year's conference finals. And the Bruins currently lead the series two games to one. And as Amanda mentioned, uh, game one had to be pushed back to Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Because of the Tampa and Columbus game. And Boston would end up winning that game in double overtime by a score of 4-3. to three. Carolina would bounce back in game two. With a 3-2 win. And then here's where things get really spicy, Amanda. Uh, excuse me. And I forgot to mention this before we started recording. Game 3 saw a 3-1 Boston win. But there is a lot of controversy that's being talked about right now. As Andrei Sveshnikov might be out for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, after what looked like... Uh, people are saying Chara bended... Sveshnikov's knee after a skirmish behind the net and then eventually went in front. And now everyone is turning their attention away from this and moving to a very familiar face in the commentary business and not in a good way. Um, Jack Edwards decided to, I guess, kind of put his take on the whole thing and it's not being received very well <laughs> To say the least. And I'm going to pull up the quote because I, you have seen the quote, right? I have, yes. Okay, because, man, this is a... I mean, Edwards is full of bad takes, but holy crap. So here's what Jack Edwards said. And the consensus is everyone thinks that Jack Edwards is a damn idiot. What NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury to Sveshnikov, the Carolina Wayne playing hobby horse riding Char on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see Sveshnikov hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. What the hell is wrong with you, Edwards? I know you're full of bad takes, but holy shit, this is brutal. Like, <laughs> the consensus is this guy is an idiot, is it not? It is, and you know what? Carolina responded, I think, perfectly to this. So funny. They said, this one should have stayed in the draft, Jack. <laughs> I love Carolina's Twitter, man. Um, it's so it funny. You know what? If you want to read just gold, go follow the Carolina Hurricanes on Twitter. I mean, the stuff that they come out with is absolutely fantastic. Whoever is running their Twitter account deserves a raise and a big one at that. Uh, you know, going back to Svechnikov, uh, apparently today he underwent an MRI in Toronto. Um, there is no further update on his status 
other than the fact that he's highly doubtful moving forward. Yeah. Brandon Moore thinks that he might not even be back for the playoffs, and that's a huge blow for Carolina because Svechikov was having an amazing playoff run so far. Him and Ajo are by far one of the best wing pair, or I guess one of the best forward pairings in the National Hockey League playoffs right now. And this is a tough, tough blow for Carolina, especially going into game four, which is tomorrow, and is essentially a must win because if Boston goes up 3-1, then that series is over. And I don't want to say this is a mismatch. A lot of people think it is. This is a lot closer than people think it is. And again, only one game was separated by two goals. The other games were one-goal games. One went to double overtime. The Hurricanes are competing, but now they're without one of their top scorers. And it's not good news for them. Other not good news, um, which was yesterday, uh, the Boston Bruins will now be without Tuka Rask as he is opted out of the NHL's return to play. Now, there were players that obviously opted out before this started because there was a deadline uh, unless they had to either pay a fine or be suspended. I can't remember which one it was. Um, But Tuka has decided that he is heading home for family reasons, and here's his statement. This is from the Boston Bruins Twitter. It says, I want to be with my teammates competing, but at this moment, there are things more important than hockey in my life, and that is being with my family. I want to thank the Bruins and my teammates for their support and wish them success. Now, uh, this left a very sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, uh, and there's a lot of people pointing the finger at him, saying he's leaving because he's fed up with how things are going there, or because they're favoring Yaroslav Halak more than him, or that Tukaras sucks. No, no, <laughs> no. Just give your head a shake. There's, like Tuka said, there's more important things than hockey right now, and obviously Tuka wants to be with his family. And you know what? All the power to him. If he wants to be with his family, I have no problem with that. Is the timing questionable? Maybe. But I'm not going to dunk on him because he's deciding to leave like Mike Milbury did on NBC. First of all, I just want to get that out of the way. What a freaking idiot he's been the last week and a half. He should be up there with Jack Edwards in the broadcast, but they get along just fine. Um, But Tuka Rask, again, all the power to him to leave. Um, Obviously, really unfortunate timing for Boston in the middle of a really big playoff series. Uh, But I think they can manage without him. They can manage with him just as much. But again, as Tuka said, family is really important. Uh, players have the option to opt out, and he's obviously taking that option. And you know what? I, I applaud him. If you want to be with your family, go ahead. I have no problem or or grudge against you for wanting to be with your family. You know what? And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, he is a father of three kids. Their, their most recent child was born four months ago, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And... As a parent, to be away from your family, yes, things are not going well for for the Boston Bruins, I think, as a whole. They did not fare well, obviously, in the round-robin play, uh, which led to their seeding that they're in right now. They are leading their series with the Carolina Hurricanes, but you know what? Tuka Rask has has been, um, we'll call it outspoken in regards to the playoffs. You know, he's quote-unquote called them dull. Uh, It's not the same atmosphere, obviously, for players uh, in the bubble used to playing in front of, you know, 18,000 plus fans a night, especially at this time of the year where you're feeding off that energy in the building. 
Uh, you know, you're not at home, you're, you're in the bubble. Uh, there's obviously limited contact. Uh, well, there's no contact outside of the bubble, essentially, in order to keep everybody safe. Um, I know as a parent, I would struggle. I, I go away for, you know, work and I'm gone for three or four days and I, I can't wait to get home kind of thing. So I, I, I understand, obviously, you know, from, from that perspective. And, and I really respect his decision. Does it come maybe at not the right time? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some questions about, about that at this point. Why not do and, this and prior? I, I think that's why, I think that's why people are giving him a hard time because of the timing of yes. everything. You know what? And is there a better time that it could have been done at? I, I do think that there, you know, was potentially a better time. Like, why not do it before this series starts? Because now, you know, your team, there's focus on that. Questions are being asked about that. But let me give Shit credit happens. where credit is due. And that is to the Boston Bruins organization. Instead of throwing their guy under the bus, they embraced what he said and respect his wishes about leaving mm-hmm. and have publicly said, you know, we we honor his, you know, his request. He needs to be at home with his family. Uh, and you know what? Not all teams would do that. And we've seen not all teams do that. They're quick to sometimes throw players under the bus when they make mm-hmm. decisions. And you know what? Kudos to the Boston Bruins organization because I, I do think that there is some credit that needs to go their way and how they handled this um, because it could have very easily gone a different way for sure because of, you know, the timing and the situation and, and everything surrounding that. But I, I do think that, you know, there are circumstances obviously that um, have resulted in players having to leave the bubble. Uh, I, the first one that comes to mind is, is Lars Eller of the Washington Capitals. Uh, his son was born. He left the bubble. He's, my understanding either back or um, coming back, but there's protocols that that surround that, right? With how they reintegrate into the bubble because it's a safety thing because now you've been exposed to other people. You're coming back in. You need to isolate. You need to get tested, make sure it's a negative test before you can rejoin your hockey club. But, you know, life happens and nobody really knows exactly what's going on except for the Boston Bruins organization and Tuka Rask at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know what, saying that it's a family situation and and very likely, you know, leaving leaving uh, home and leaving your wife at home with, with three young children, obviously it's part of the game. Um, everybody knows what they've signed up for when they're, they're a, a hockey family. Um, but... Uh, you know what? I respect the decision and, and all the best to him and his family. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can't predict what's going to happen. Shit happens, man. Stuff will happen in the middle of the, of the playoffs. And obviously something happened on Rass side of the family. And he thought it was appropriate that he needed to go home. And again, I give him all the credit to that. And obviously Boston's going to have uh be without their starting goaltender. But Game 4, it's going to be very important for both teams. Uh, happens on Monday, which is tomorrow, 8 p.m. on CBC and Sportsnet. Let's move to the Western Conference. And uh, uh, by the way, I should mention, Amanda, um, you and I predicted the Hurricanes to take the series, myself at 5, uh, you in 6. So there's still a chance of that happening for either of us. 
but we'll find out what happens tomorrow. Now we'll move into the Western Conference as we'll get to the first series, which I'm sure you don't want to talk about because of your prediction. The Golden Knights, of course, the top team in the Western Conference taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Golden Knights have a humongous stranglehold on Chicago. A 3 to nothing series lead. Uh, I, I would personally say Vegas is definitely the better team in this. And were my pick to win the Western Conference this year. And right now they're on a very, very good track to do that. Uh, they won game one in uh, in very dominating fashion. 4-1-1 win. Game two was a 4-3 win in overtime. And then game three, which was last night, was a 2-1 win for Vegas. So they now have a 3-0 stranglehold on the Chicago Blackhawks. And Amanda, you predicted Chicago to take the series in six. That is no longer eligible. So unfortunately, uh, your uh, your game duration was incorrect, but your team prediction still stands at least for one more game. And this is a much different looking Chicago team in this series than we saw against Edmonton. They are struggling to find their offensive mojo right now. Uh, defensively, looks like they're breaking down. Corey Crawford looks just like he's struggling right now. Uh, again, this is a very different-looking Chicago team than we saw in the qualifiers. I mean, it's great they got into the playoffs, but they're one. There's, they're, <laughs> they're 60 minutes away from their season ending in the snap of a finger, and it could end tonight at 6:30, which is in about two hours and 15 minutes uh, at the time of this recording. So by the time this goes up, the game will have started. Do you see Chicago winning this game at all? Do you think they keep their season alive or is Vegas going to make light work of the Blackhawks? I think that the Knights are going to make light work of the Blackhawks. You know, to defend my pick, I think I need to defend my pick. I picked, not that I didn't think that the Knights were going to dominate. I, I thought that Chicago, based on the play that they had in the qualifiers against a skilled Edmonton Oilers team, were just going to give the Knights a run for their money. And I haven't seen that. Like you said, they're struggling to find that offensive, uh, you know, prowess that they had in that, that play-in round with the Edmonton Oilers. And it's the reason Edmonton is, you know, at home now and, and the Blackhawks are playing the Knights, but, something's missing from that hockey club right now. And like you said, Crawford is struggling. Uh, But then you have Vegas and they're just, they're buzzing right now. And Flurry playing in net yesterday. uh, He looked great. He looked great. He looked really good. And he was dialed in last night. Considering he hasn't played in what, six months. I think they said he looked right back to form. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's your boy. I know you're missing him, but yeah, I mean, him in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least you have Tristan Jari, so you got that going for you. But uh, I think the series is over, Amanda. I really do. I, do I, too. I, I, I just think Vegas is the far better team. This is a hum- This is probably the biggest mismatch of the entire playoffs at this point. I, Blackhawks, you know, could very well take this to overtime, but I think their season ends tonight. Uh, we're going to wait and see at 6.30. And, <laughs> I mean, I had the nights to sweep this. And right now my prediction's looking pretty good. So, uh, go Vegas <laughs> uh, just for tonight to hopefully get me a perfect uh, a perfect pick. I mean, uh, the way I'm going to mark this, Amanda, I forgot to mention this to you. So, 
I made the graphic, obviously, for Twitter, and a lot of people have seen it. A lot of people like our picks. The way I'm going to have it is kind of a grading system. So if we get a team uh, series win correct, I'll put a check mark. And if we get uh, both the team and the duration correct, I'll put just like giant X mark. But I, I think you get the gist of it. So I'm hoping to get that giant check mark on my graphic. So we'll wait and see what happens <laughs> later tonight. Moving on to the number two, number seven seed, Avalanche and the Coyotes. This has been an interesting series, uh, to say the least. Now, Colorado was off to a good start. 3 nothing shutout against Arizona on Wednesday. Then on Friday was a 3-2 to two win. And yesterday, it was uh, the next game in a back-to-back. Game 4 will be tomorrow night, by the way. Arizona is showing signs of life. They won 4-2 to two yesterday. And with the way Arizona played in the in the qualifier, I thought Arizona would have a really good legitimate chance against the Avalanche. But again, we didn't know who they were going to play at that point. We now know it's finalized. I mean, the, the Coyotes are somewhat struggling, but they are somewhat able to keep up because they have, obviously, Darcy Kemper, who is on fire right now. He's unbelievable, despite his team kind of choking in Game 1. But, you know, you have the emergence of Connor Garland coming through with the season he had and him really helping provide a lot of the offense this year. And again, you have Darcy Kemper, you have Phil Kessel, you have Oliver ekman Larson, you have all these tools to use. And tomorrow night is probably the most important game in your franchise's history since you were in the conference finals against Los Angeles. For me, I think Arizona, if they get back on track with this rebuild, they try to win this series and beat a good team like Colorado. Are they going to do it? Probably not, because we both have the Avalanche to win this series in six. Um, but it doesn't mean that the Coyotes are out of it yet. They still have, you know, they still have another four games to potentially win this series. And I don't know about you, Amanda, but I think tomorrow night is going to be a pivotal game for Arizona to try and get back into the driver's seat. Because if they tie this series, then it's a best of three, and it's really anybody's series at this point. But who do you think is going to come away in game four at this point? I think if the Coyotes can get their 0 for 9 power play in this series work. Uh, I didn't even know it was that bad. Yeah, Jesus. 0 for 9 in the series. If they can get this Ooh. working in game four, I think this is the Coyotes' game in game four. Uh, I know we both picked Colorado to win this series. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I have mentioned it before. I've had the opportunity to go to uh, a couple Coyotes games, uh, obviously in Arizona, and I, I'm definitely a fan of this organization. Uh, they've got they've got some great talent on this team, and uh, for me, I personally I would like to see the Coyotes win this series over uh, the Avalanche, but you know, like I said, we both picked the Avs to win, but. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I think if they can get this part of their game going, there is a real opportunity for the Arizona Coyotes to make this a long series. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes seven, to be completely honest. Uh, I think that the Arizona needed to win game three without question yeah. uh, or they would have been in a lot of trouble. And I think that this is a team when their back is up against the wall that they can make things happen. And I think that game four 
very well could go to the Coyotes. Like I said, I think there are some stipulations to that, though, because if you can't get your power play working for you, like you, you just have to be better at this point. And, yeah. you know, Colorado is also struggling on the power play. So, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and you, you have to capitalize on them. We've talked about that a couple of times with a couple of the different series. But the reality is, is at this point in the playoffs, you need to have things clicking. You know, the qualifiers, whether you were a team that was playing in the round robin or whether you were a team that was ultimately playing for a spot in the first um, round of the playoffs, you can treat those games as tune-up games. And you, yes, you needed to win in, in order to get out of the qualifiers, but really, at the end of the day, they really truly are tune-up games coming into the first round of the playoffs. And some teams really got it going others not so much uh and then we have situations like this where you know over nine on the power play in this series three games in th- that's just not a stat you should have at this point so no it's not good enough no, absolutely needs to be better uh and i expect that it would be in game four well you would definitely hope so and we're gonna have to wait and see what happens tomorrow night game uh four is Tomorrow at 5.30, we'll be on uh, FX Canada for any uh, people in uh, Canada that want to watch that game. Game 5 is yet to be determined at this point and will be released by the NHL, I believe, after Game 4. is all said and done. Moving on to the next series. This is one that you and I disagreed on as well. The Stars and the Flames, which actually is happening right now as we're recording this podcast. It's currently in the third period and the Flames currently holding a 3-2 to two lead. And uh, the Flames <laughs> lead the series two games to one. Uh, in my, or pardon me, the score is actually 4-3. Uh, I forgot to update the score. I was going to say, I'm like, score. I just updated uh, it. <laughs> I'm an hour behind. Um, but yeah, it's 4-3 Calgary. And Dallas is now back on the power play uh, halfway through the third. Calgary has the 2-1 to one lead, which some people are surprised, Amanda. I'm not surprised because I took the Flames to win this in five, and right now my prediction is looking really, really nice at this point. You picked the Stars in six, which can still happen if Dallas wins this game. Now, the way that this started, both all these games relatively, man, have been very close. Game one was a 3-2 win for Calgary. Dallas bounced back with a big 5-4 win on Thursday night. But then Friday, uh, the day after, Calgary shut out Dallas 2 to nothing. And now Calgary is about 9 minutes and 16 seconds away from putting the Stars on the brink of elimination in 5, which would make me a perfect 2-for-2 two two on this uh, on this prediction. Now Dallas, as we talked about to kind of set up the series, has been struggling with goal scoring, not just in the qualifiers, but over the last couple of months. Obviously, they have guys like Joe Pavelski, they got Jamie Benn, uh, they got Tyler Sagan, they got obviously nitty-gritty guys. Uh, like, uh, you know, Corey Perry and Esalen Dell kind of mine on the back end. Miro Heiskin has been having a great playoff so far, but no Ben Bishop right now. They, they're running Anton Hudobin, who in my opinion is somewhat standing his ground, but when you're going up against a team like Calgary, that is so front heavy, it's really hard to contain a, a much grittier Calgary Flames team at this point, because obviously you think about Kachuk, you think about Lucic, you think about Mangiapane, you think about Zach Ronaldo. 
This team has a lot of size and grit to it, and right now it's paying off. And Milan Lucic, surprisingly, is the front of how much this offense is producing, which is very surprising in my opinion because I still think Lucic is more of a grinder than he is a power forward, as people like to say he is. And, I mean, his job is to get under people's skin and punch people's faces. And, I mean, he's still somewhat doing that, but at least he's showing some control at this point, and it's helping Calgary catapult themselves to a potential 3-1 to series lead. And I want to get your opinion on this because you picked Dallas to win this series in six. If Dallas makes the comeback within the next 8 minutes and 50 seconds, do you think they still have a legitimate chance of winning this series? I do, actually. I do, and this is this has been a series that key goals that have been scored have been specialty teams. So we're talking, you know, some there's been three three or four shorthanded goals in this series. Uh, and that's all against Dallas. Uh, so Dallas needs to be better <laughs> on the And with a couple play. more actually in this game too. Yeah. And you know what? The key goals again on the power play from both sides. So these are two teams that have, you know, their specialty teams working for them. Now in the instance of the, the flames where they seem to be falling short is that they've given up, you know, four shorthanded goals. And that's just not a stat that you want to have at this point. Now no. coming into obviously today's game, I think today's game is definitely a, a key game for the Dallas stars. It's a must win. It is a must win for them. Uh, you know, like you were alluding to Pavelski, he's got two goals in this game already. Uh, Right now, it's still not good enough. So mm-hmm. what what's happening, you know, in this series is actually quite interesting because if you look at the goal scores, you're seeing the same names pop up. You know, it's it's their top guys that are that are really coming out to play. And you know, obviously for Calgary, uh, Sam Bennett is just outstanding at this point. Uh, breakout playoffs for him. Absolute breakout playoffs for him. So. Give credit where credit is due. And right now, Calgary deserves a lot of credit for for their play. You know, looking at this third period, coming into this third period in game four, this game was tied and it was a shorthanded goal that got the Calgary Flames the lead. So, you know, yeah. coming back to that, that point I made about specialty teams playing a huge, huge factor in this series, I think it's going to continue to play a huge factor. So both teams need to be sharp, you know, uh, defensively and offensively when they're on the power play. Four power play goals in this game so far, two yeah. for each side. The power play goals for Dallas is Pavelski in the first and then Gurionov towards the end of the second period. For Calgary, Johnny Goudreau with a power play goal to start off the second and then Sam Bennett with one of his two goals on the game. Uh, that one coming in the early stages of the second period. And as you mentioned, the lead... And the current game-winning goal is on the stick of Tobias Reeder with his third of the playoffs, a short-handed goal. So five special team goals in this game alone, which is absolute insanity. Um, And uh, for Dallas, their special teams have just been really, really terrible. As you mentioned, uh, I I mean, yeah, they got their power play goals, but their penalty kill is not very good. And it's very evident by them giving up a shorthanded goal to Tobias Reader. And again, their season 
rides on the line, not just for game five after this one, but even right now, you have to win this game if you want a chance to win this series. And Dallas obviously has a lot of pieces to this team, but without Ben Bishop, they're just not the same in my opinion, Amanda. Yeah, and, and I agree with that because I think that the, it's a key point that they're missing right now. And it's um, it, it, this series is exciting to watch, though, if you're just a yeah. fan of hockey. Uh, whether <laughs> Now, obviously, if you're a Stars fan or a Calgary fan, this game could be very irritating for you <laughs> with what you're seeing. But because you're seeing collapses, you know, on power plays where, where your team should be capitalizing, not giving up goal. So... You know, in that case, it, it for me as a fan of the game, this makes for an exciting series. Like I enjoy watching this series. And we're gonna try and keep this episode running until the end of this game. Um, so we'll we'll try our best to try and run it. It's probably gonna take a little while. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about Sam Bennett because you bring up a good point. This is a really great playoffs for him so far. Five goals in uh, hit in this playoffs so far. Uh, he has, uh, NHL's not updating for me properly. He had, uh, three goals going into this game. He's now got five, uh, and it looks like he also picked up an assist on the Goudreau goal. So he's got three points in this game alone, which is absolute insanity for the former OHLer. And I mean, for Sam Bennett, uh, his playoff numbers haven't been the greatest. His regular season, he was very, very quiet. Eight goals, four assists for 12 points. Um, and I mean, throughout his career, wasn't really known as much of as a uh, goal scorer. 63 goals in 364 games. But in the playoffs, he's breaking out at the right time. And it's really propelling Calgary to just jump out in front so soon. And I, I just think it's really good that obviously not just the big names are popping out like Johnny Goudreau at the right time. But they're getting the smaller names like Sam Bennett to really chip in on offense. And it's great to see him playing the way he's been playing. Absolutely. You know what? I just found a quote um, on Twitter from Eric Angles. And he goes, Sam Bennett and Milan Lutic are flipping off their doubters with every passing minute of these playoffs. <laughs> and it sure is fun to watch. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, and uh, Sorry, go ahead. You know. Like, and then there's another one. I honestly don't understand how Stan Bennett can be this much better in the playoffs. And that's from Danny Austin. And, <laughs> you know, it's so true because he he really has, in my opinion, underperformed to his expectations, I think, as, you know, a, a player in the regular season. But we're having a nice playoff run here from him. And you can't help but get a little bit excited for him because I think it's, it's well-deserved. I, I do think that he can be better, and, and it's mm-hmm. nice to see him playing up to that potential, for sure. Well, considering he was their fourth overall pick in 2014, you definitely expect him to live up a little bit more in expectation, which he really hasn't, but at least he's scoring when it really, really matters. Yeah. And right now, he's definitely shown up for the playoffs, and it's... Uh, it's about time that he's showing up, and it's good that he is. Let's move on to our final series uh, in the first round, and this is one that honestly really caught me off guard. Uh, I, it's the St. Louis and Vancouver series. You and I, of course, both both pick Vancouver because we agreed um, that St. Louis is not going to win this series or repeat as champions. 
and right now they're very close to being on the brink. <laughs> and it, it's not looking good for the defending champions. Now, in game one, they got, I don't want to say obliterated, but they got obliterated. 5-2 win for Vancouver. Uh, and then in game two, which was on Friday, a 4-3 win in overtime for the Canucks. Uh, and I mean, it was off a great game from Bo Horvat. I thought he had two of the nicest goals of the playoffs we've seen so far. That first one he scored in the first period was absolutely phenomenal. It'll be on the highlight reel for the next couple of months. And then he finishes it off with a beautiful pass from Quinn Hughes in overtime. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better sequence for this game to end. I mean, a beautiful flip pass by Hughes as he's getting taken down. Horvat picks it up. He's gone. He's got the defenseman coming for him, but he shoots a five hole and he buries it. And a great finish for Vancouver in that game. And right now for them, they are riding a humongous coattail. And for them, you know, their opponent, the St. Louis Blues, they are the defending champions. But they're 0-5 in qualifiers and playoff games right now, Amanda. And with Game 3 being tonight, I personally think their season is going to be over sooner than we had predicted. Because I said the Canucks would have won this in 7 games. And I doubled down saying they'd win it in overtime. Yes. But there's a chance they might sweep this series. You pick the Canucks in five, which is very, very close. But I think the Canucks have a legitimate chance. If they win tonight, they're going to sweep this series. Yeah, I, you know what? It's I'd rather be wrong in my games than my team that I pick. So <laughs> I'm okay with this one if they win in four. But I, I actually think St. Louis is going to get a game. I, I don't know if it'll be tonight. Uh, because you got to look at this. So St. Louis played as the home team for game one and game two. So now Vancouver is the home team. So they've got last change. They've got those short changes. Uh, I think that Vancouver can capitalize on, on having that quote unquote home ice advantage because it is a little bit different, obviously in, in playoffs, because when we think home ice advantage, we're talking the fans, the energy in the building, Yes, there's the other pieces that go to that, but you know, having that that home team playing in your own barn, uh, obviously this is completely different. We've never experienced this type of playoff setting before, but um, I I think that Vancouver has a legitimate chance to sweep the Stanley Cup champions, and yeah. I think that I, I do think that St. Louis is going to get a game, but. I, I stand behind my my Vancouver Canucks in five, and you know you can't say enough good things about Quinn Hughes and his play. Uh, you know Bo Horvat. We're seeing guys that really needed to take that next step. Now Quinn Hughes certainly was not the person that we expected to come out and be you know the leader on this hockey club. I but, personally did. Oh, and okay, and there you go. So I, I know <laughs> I didn't think that he was going to be the guy that mm -hmm. we were talking about consistently, and his play and what he's done to help this hockey club get to where they are. Uh, you know, obviously being up to nothing in, in a series against the defending Stanley Cup champions, I, I think that's a really great place to be for the Vancouver Canucks at this point. Well, it's definitely good considering that you know the rebuild has been struggling to really, uh, really start to take shape. But I mean. You look at the leadership of Bo Horvat over just this season alone. I mean, he was picked as captain at the start of the season. I personally think it was a perfect choice for captain. Bo, I, I've been following Bo Horvat since his days in London. Fantastic hockey player, uh, a great person. 
Uh, from what I heard from some London fans that I've talked to saying, you know, he obviously really cares about the game and the fans no matter where he plays. You think about, you know, them bringing in Tanner Pearson and then not to mention Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser getting right to form. Elias Pedersen is right up there with Quinn Hughes of being one of the best players in this series because watching Pedersen, I don't know about you, Amanda, is so much freaking fun this kid is such a good hockey player. He is. And I think you said it perfectly. It is so much freaking fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right now, there's 3.15 left to go in the game between Calgary and Dallas. So let's, uh, while this game is starting to come to its end, let's talk about the games for tonight. Try and go more in depth about it if we're able to. Let's preview the Philadelphia-Montreal game, which will be happening, of course, tonight at 8. It's a really important game uh, for both teams, especially for Montreal because they're trying to avoid being down uh, 3-1 in the series. Right now, over the last five games, Weber has chipped in for five points. Lawton has done the same. Right now, Lawton and Weber are leading their teams basically in points and goals over the last five games. Uh, Kevin Hayes... Uh, really made me eat a bag of doo doo, um, and it's it's kind of hard to believe that Hayes is actually living up to his contract because I personally thought Philadelphia overloaded on money on his contract, but you know what? He's really chipping in very well, and I think Hayes might be the difference maker as Dallas has just scored. Uh, so this game is now tied at four, so we might have to end this episode sooner than I thought. Uh, but for this game, Amanda, who do you see winning this one? Uh, I think tonight is Montreal. I, I can't help but feel like Montreal has an advantage coming into this game. Uh, you know, obviously, after they're playing game two, um, you know, th- this is the third game. So they would, um, Philadelphia would go up 2-1, not 3-1 in this one. But Oh, yeah, sorry. No problem. I just wanted to make sure that we got that corrected, just in case. My focus is elsewhere for some reason. The Karens Uh, (laughs) of the world are going to be picking up on that one, Thomas. So, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) but it's been it's been one of those weeks for me. I'm (laughs) grieving. Okay, leave me alone. (laughs) You know what? Though, when you look at the head-to-head matchups, and you look at you know point totals and who's leading their teams, this team both teams are so evenly matched coming into this that it, this series really has, I think what it takes to go the distance. Uh, And I don't know about you, but for me, this is a series, obviously typically, sorry, not obviously, but typically when you are a Leafs fan, you have a hate on for Montreal Canadiens. So I, I don't necessarily hate them. I just <laughs> highly dislike I them. I highly dislike uh. them. There you go. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I still think that this is a series that if if you have the ability and you are wanting to watch a game tonight, this is the one that you need to watch. Not that the <laughs> Vegas-Chicago game isn't going to be great at 630, but you know what, if you're sitting down at 8 o'clock tonight, you should be sitting down to watch this hockey game. Um, I think Montreal and Philadelphia are both going to come out to play tonight, no question, but I think that Montreal has the edge in this one. Quick update, the goal has been called off due to interference by Corey Perry, so it is now still 4-3 Calgary, and I mean, they got the call right. Obviously, our viewers can't really see it right now because they're probably watching it as we speak, but Perry definitely interfering with the goalie there, so it is now 4-3 Calgary with 2.29 left to go. Uh, Let's talk about the other game that's happening tonight. It's a chance 
for Vegas to make light work of Chicago. We pretty much already gave our prediction, but I just want to make sure we're both saying Vegas wins this game, correct? Correct. Vegas wins tonight. Okay. Uh, do you have a scoreline maybe? Like who Ooh. who dominates this game, do you think? Because for me, Riley Smith is probably going to pop off tonight on two goals because he's been really good over the last five games. And again, the goaltending is going to be questionable going into this game. Do you continue to see if Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be good enough to hold the fort to get the series sweep? Or do you go back to Robin Leonard and make sure you get that guaranteed shutdown? Like, what do you think happens in this game? I I think they have to come back with Marc-Andre Fleury um, after the way he played in Game 3. Uh, man, I want to see Fleury in that. Like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little bit biased, Is, the, is but... this the Pittsburgh in you talking, or just are you being general? I think in general... I. I really respect the hell out of Marc-Andre Fleury and the career that he's had and the caliber of play at this point in his career. Um, Yes, there have been definitely, I I think I can agree with you in the sense that I think he's on the the back end of his career. I I don't think that, I I think he's peaked at this point, but Oh, yeah. The thing with Marc-Andre Fleury is is that he is one of the best goalies, uh, in my opinion, based on obviously being a Penguins fan. But I, I do think Fleury is one of the best goaltenders that, that ever played the game. And I, I'm not saying he's the best by any means, but he's up there. I would definitely put him up there. And, you know, I think that he still has something left in the tank. And I think he still has a lot to prove. And Mm -hmm. because there's so many naysayers when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury, oh, he's washed up. He's this, he's that. But I think that he's such like an easygoing guy that he just wants to play. He just wants to play the game that he loves. And you know what? You can expect him to show up. And when he falls short, the only person that, I think is really hard on him is him is himself and himself. Yeah. And he holds himself accountable. And I think that that's what has made him as so good. great of a goaltender as he is. I so, agree. Yeah. All right. So you're saying they're going to continue to ride Mark energy Flurry, And so. you, know, you know what? I think I'm going to agree with you. Because, again, I think he looked great the other night. And obviously against a team like Chicago, this is a chance for him to, you know, get the rust off of him, which I think he really did, and really try and help this team in a back-to-back. Now, Fleury hasn't played a back-to-back in quite some time, which might be tough on him and could very well change the outcome of this game. But you think about the success that Fleury has had over his career, obviously multi-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, he's got a really good chance on another cup with this group right now. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game tonight. Uh, and obviously, no matter what happens in this series, we're going to talk about it for the next episode. But, I mean, we're both agreeing that Vegas is going to take this game. And the other game that's supposed to happen uh, tonight is obviously Game 3 between the Blues and the Canucks. Uh, we basically already gave our pick. You you said that you see St. Louis winning a game in this series. But do you think that happens tonight? No. No? I don't. 
So when does it happen then? I think it, does it happen when they're facing elimination? I think it's uh, facing elimination. I think those guys hmm. are going to dig a little bit deeper and come out with one win, but it's just not going to be enough and it's going to be too late. And Dallas has just tied the game. Joe Pavelski with 11 seconds left oh, wow. and <laughs> off the rebound has just an... scored. Wow. That's uh wow. I mean, that's a hat trick for Joe Pavelski, which is, uh, which is incredible. I mean, obviously he's been with San Jose, uh, his entire career and look at him just succeeding right now with Dallas. And I mean, if you're Talbot, you got to have that goal back, but I mean, good for Pavelski, gets a hat trick. Um, I don't know if we're going to see any hats unless they get an NHL intern to throw them. <laughs> but it looks like that game is going to head to overtime. So uh, I think this is a good time to end the episode here. We basically gave our picks for uh, games for tonight, for down the road. Um, I mean, some of our picks are still looking really good. Not to break, but my night's pick still looks really good at this point. Uh, but uh, it, this is... Uh, okay, well, now we can't end this because now it looks like this goal is going to be under review as well. Oh, wow. This goal is going to be under review too. Okay, so again, we're recording this on Sunday. It's the Stars and the Flames right now, back-to-back -back reviews, and it looks like they're... Oh, Amanda... I'm looking at this on TV right now. Obviously, listeners on our platforms can't see this, but I think this goal is going to come back because it looks like the stars are offside. So this is really interesting. And again, this is going to be tough for Dallas. Imagine they score one goal, it gets called back, and now there's a chance that this goal may be called back as well. And, and looking to... and looking at it, it's really close, but I think they're actually on side. So there's a chance this goal is going to stand, which if it doesn't stand, I think pretty much decides decides the game at this point. But I mean, um, regardless, you know, Dallas obviously needs this win. There, there's no doubt about that. If they go down in three one in this series, you know, ride it off for Tuesday. I mean, this series is pretty much over at that point. Um, and again, you have the stars in six, so we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I think we should end it here. Uh, we'll wait out to see what the rest of this game looks like so we can shift our focus elsewhere. That's going to do it for this episode though. Uh, you know, obviously we had pretty much everything. We had another rant. We had some really hot takes and it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the rest of these, pl uh, first round plays out. Uh, I want to see what happens and see if teams have what it takes to make a comeback and see, in my opinion, just how well Montreal is going to come out and play um, over the next couple of games. It's going to be really important for them, so we'll wait and see what happens. But Amanda, that's another episode in the books, and I think we should probably see the end of the first round uh, by next week. We'll wait and see. But I think this first round and the entire NHL playoffs on its own, along with the Stanley Cup qualifiers, has gone very well for the NHL. And it's going to be a very entertaining summer for everybody. That it is. You know what? I, you know, we've said so many times, like having hockey in August that matters is um, a hell of a lot of fun, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. You know, even last night we had uh, we had someone over and – we were sitting outside and where we were sitting outside in our backyard, I could see my TV. So I had the game on, <laughs> you know, it, it's fun. It's a fun time. And I think it gives people something to focus on other than everything else that's happening in the world. Not that obviously that 
isn't important, but it's nice to be able to have a bit of um, a break from all of the negative stuff that's going on and be able to just enjoy sports and, and not just hockey, because let's face it, the Raptors playoffs start tomorrow. Uh, you know, baseball is, is back and it's on, even though it is a dumpster fire at best, <laughs> I'm just uh, say <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I mean, like, get it together, MLB. Come on now. Figure it out. Um, but you know what? It's it's just a, it's a nice break from reality, I think, and for a lot of people. And to be able to, to watch sports that matter uh, at this time of the year is not typical, right? You know, other than mm-hmm. obviously watching some ball. But um, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I In some ways, I'm like, I wish there was hockey in August that mattered all the time. Uh, (laughs) If only. Because it definitely makes for an exciting uh, month of August. There is no question. And I know as, you know, the playoffs go on and uh, we continue to kind of analyze, you know, what's happening around the world and and the NHL and and looking at at all these these different scenarios of what's to come. I don't know. It's just fun right now. It's a lot of fun. And it's nice to be able to say that because I think that for so many people and being quarantined and not being able to do anything and go out and, and all this great stuff, like it's just a nice break. It really is. Yeah. It's nice to have something to pass the time away every single day. That's going to do it for this episode of the Deep Geese podcast. I I just want to thank everyone for continuing uh, with their tremendous support and uh, just their great overall feedback. And I mean, we we rambled on long enough, I think, this episode. So we're going to end it here and we're going to try and enjoy the rest of the Calgary and Dallas game. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Deke's Podcast. Uh, make sure you do follow us on all of our streaming platforms, whether it's on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. We do thank you for your continued support and hope that you will join us for uh, new episodes down the road. Until next week, I'm Thomas Mercier. She's Amanda Sukowski. And we're saying so long for now, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Geek Geeks Podcast.